Uh, it's going to be a rough one. is on the air you motherfuckers my name is Darian I am back with another week of horror nonsense is that what you wanted did you want me to come back because I'll do it I'll come right back at you or I can take a week off you tell me what you want I don't have to do this people god damn it but I will if you want me to and apparently you do because you're listening right now <clears throat> just me this weekend mates apologies up front for that buddy still at work Monica still dealing with um just about everything, <laughs> just, just about her whole life falling apart and things of that nature. But I am still here, and I've got a lot to talk about. Did you did you check out the last episode of Mom's Basement that I dropped on you? I hope you did. And if any of you are still listening after that, thank you very much for tuning in and for continuing to hang with me here in the padded room. Very nice of you to do that. I hope we didn't bum you out. I didn't realize until after I put the episode out that it was that heavy and that much of a bummer. Um, I actually think it came out to be a nice discussion, but I know that's not what you're accustomed to here in the padded room. So, uh, sorry for that also, but I feel like we said a lot of things that needed to be said uh, about the state of, I don't know, fandom and just general dorkiness all around, so... Thanks for bearing with us through that and for hanging out and for uh, continuing to listen and uh, tune in every week. So all that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I've got uh, I've got to tell you, we are out of Carter Burke month. So no more. Du- well, of, of the movies we did in, in Carter Burke month, they were all pretty dumb, right? You had President Evil. You had Night of the Lepus. You had the goddamn Amazon hotbox. Uh, now it's just going to get dumber from here. <laughs> because now, my friends, we are going into Food Horror Month. And I'm going to kick it off right here, right now, with the stuff. Yeah, that that stuff. Which, goddamn, I know you've seen it. Uh, I'll get, I'm going to do the whole goddamn breakdown like I always do. But there is a lot of weird things happening in the stuff. And a lot of questions that I have that I don't think I'm ever going to get an answer to. Anyway, I got horror news. I got listener mail. I got all kinds of cool shit going on. Why don't we kick things off with a little of the old horror news? Just like we always do about this time, yeah? (laughs) 
Horror news. Yes. So it looks like uh, Cursed Films Season 2 is headed to Shudder this week. I am fucking psyched for that, man. That first season, I know you guys have seen it. I thought they covered all the Cursed Films. You know what I mean? You had uh, The Crow, uh, The Exorcist, uh, Twilight Zone movie. Um, I think The Omen was in there. Um, I didn't even know about half of that shit. So what movies could they possibly do for this season? They they got to put Resident Evil, uh, that last Resident Evil movie. What was the last one? Goddamn, uh, the final chapter. The lady's face came off in that movie. And another guy died in an unrelated Hummer accident. All kinds of problems with that fucking thing. That is a cursed movie, and it's not even that good. That makes it even worse in a way. You know, look at the first season of cursed movies, the crow, the omen exorcist. These are like horror, you know, alumni right there. That's like royalty as far as horror goes. And then into that elite fraternity, we're going to add resident evil, the final chapter, which if it is cursed is why, (laughs) you know what I mean? Why, why would you put a curse on that movie is a curse to watch. Why would you need to further infer anything with uh degloving a young lady's face that's disgusting all right well anyway i'm excited for it i wonder what movies they're gonna uh are claimed to be cursed this season looks like we have some hot speaking of the crow we've got some hot crow news coming at us now i know i know what you're thinking you're thinking to yourself darian shut your fucking mouth every couple years you get all hot and bothered because you think there's going to be another crow movie and there never is you're right you're absolutely right that's how it usually goes down uh well tom hiddleston at one point was talking about being the crow uh who uh jason momoa for a minute was talking about being the crow how about bill skarsgård as the crow could you see that i could see it he's pasty he's sullen looking um I'm sure uh, of the Skarsgård brothers, he's probably like the, um, I don't, I don't know. He's a handsome devil, isn't he? So, sure. Why, why would he not? Why couldn't he be the crow? I guess you never saw Eric Draven like uh, bench pressing anything, right? So, there's that. Um, I tell you what, though, my friends, this is from what I read. This is going to be a reimagining or a reboot or a redo, whatever the hell you want to call it. They have potential to fuck this up. You know what I mean? They, they could fuck this right up and it's going to piss everybody off. Now, here's what you need if you're going to do a crow movie. I don't care who plays the crow. It would be cool if he could do like some kung fu or some shit, but if not, that's fine. Uh, but you got to have that gothic, uh, I guess, mid-90s grunge vibe to it. You know what I mean? You got to have the Gotham City uh, feel about it because that's like that is the crow dude you can't you can't go to like a uh i don't know like a trailer well i guess you can there's nothing stopping you from doing it but if you're gonna if you're gonna bring back the eric draven shelly webster crow with top dollar and grange and all those guys and uh t-bird and skank don't fuck this up man because it's gonna piss all of us 40 year olds right off if you fuck it up I got I, I don't know what I'm getting all worked up for. It's probably not even going to happen, right? How many times have they fucked with us uh, with the, the crow and teased us? God damn it. Uh, do you guys remember a movie that came out uh, probably about the same time as the crow, as I recall, 
called Fire in the Sky, the Travis Walton story. Uh, you've seen it. I'm sure you have. Uh, it starred D.B. Sweeney and Robert Patrick. Um, I always was under the impression that it would be pretty cool to get abducted by an alien, as long as they brought me back. You know what I mean? This movie changed my mind completely. I no longer have any interest in getting abducted by an alien. A lot of poking and prodding and weird uh, jams and, j- and jellies. and uh, It's a very moist encounter and not in a good way from, from what I gather watching this movie. Um, it's getting the, uh, the Scream Factory Blu-ray treatment. So you'll get all the extras and you know all the schmutz and the spew and all of that and the poking and the prodding. Uh, it's a good show. It's, it's definitely a horror movie. A lot of people think, oh, it's some kind of sci-fi thing. No, when they get this dude up in the ship, they uh, have like their own little version of the elite hunting company up there, and they're going to fucking... Maybe that's what it is, now that I think about it. Maybe that's what alien abduction is, is aliens just like to, you know, hear us squeal like a pig, so they come pick one of us up and start shoving things in you, and then eventually drop you off. So that they can further laugh at you <laughs> while you're telling the story to your friends. I don't know, man. It's a, I, I might pick it up on Blu-ray now that I, I kind of talk myself into it here thinking about it. What else we got here? Dead by Daylight board game, my friends. Are you fam- You've heard me talk before about Dead by Daylight. I play the shit out of that goddamn game. Uh, it's a video game. Now they are releasing a board game version. So I'm... I'm not, I'm, I'm, I've already decided I'm not, I've, it's already kickstarted. That's the news that it already breached its mark in like 72 hours. So good for, good for them. Um, I'm not, I'm going to make a bold stance here and not buy this particular board game. You guys know me. I'm the horror board game guy. I got a whole closet full of these fucking things. Most of them still in the plastic and, uh, as cool as they look on the shelf, the fucking rule books on these things are ridiculous you know what i mean i can't play these with my kids i can't figure out how to play these things by myself or even with like my adult friends i so i'm gonna make a bold stance and not do the dead by daylight board game i already have the video game and i can play that by myself and i don't have to get my kids involved and i I don't need two to seven players or whatever so it looks great uh maybe i don't know maybe uh maybe i who am I? I'm probably going to pick it up just because I'm a Dead by Daylight fanboy. It'll just sit up there on the shelf. Um, I don't know what the package is, probably 150 bucks, something like that. So there's that for you. Uh, I'll probably grab it. I'm going to grab it. You know what? I'm going to grab it. I'm never going to play it. I looked at the miniatures and the add-ons. They look pretty dope. Um, yeah, I'm going to. I talked myself into it. God damn it. I'm going to do it. All right. Fuck. Wife's going to be pissed. Uh, lastly, it looks like the, are you guys familiar with vinegar syndrome and what they do? They're just like shout factory. They buy up these, all these late eighties horror properties and then they restore them and put them back in, you know, dig up the bonus features and add ons. And then they resell them to us, even though most of us probably own them on, uh, VHS. Now we have to buy them on Blu-ray. We might as well shell out the extra 40 bucks and get the, upgraded steelbook with all the bonus bullshit uh vinegar syndrome is re-releasing flesh eater by bill hinsman 
Now, I've talked at length about my love-hate relationship with Flesh Eater by Bill Hinsman and what a, what a creepy dude he turned out to be. Um, I might have to grab this. This one I might actually have to get in on. Uh, I was While I was looking around over at Vinegar Syndrome, they actually have some other movies that uh, my wife is probably going to kick my ass over because I'm going to have to buy those too. Uh, Cthulhu Mansion which has nothing to do with Cthulhu at all. It's a it's a dipshit uh, late 80s horror movie, but it it's waxes nostalgic for me. Uh, Flesh Eater, which I already own on uh, DVD. Oh, fucking dogs. So, yeah, you know, I'm going to go over to Vinegar Syndrome and uh, probably drop 80 bucks and get my ass kicked by my wife again. Not that I don't deserve it. All right, that's all I got on the horror news, you maniacs. How about a little of the old listener mail? Listener mail. Mm-hmm. Uh, did I tell you that I am making Terra Dome fight announcements tonight? Tonight, it's going down in the, uh, what do you call it there, the team's division. Uh, first fight will be next week. Who knows who it'll be? I do, because I made the fight roster, so I got that going for me. Let's kick things off with some emails, if we may. We are going to start off, god damn it, hold on now, just hold, hold the hell on. I'm in the wrong folder here. Okay, here we go. Uh, let's start things off with a brand new Patreon subscriber. Oh yeah! Everybody say hello to Devin. What's up, Devin? Devin is in the $5 uh, Patreon tier. He's going to get himself a padded room t-shirt, a padded room travel mug, control of the month of May, and as much hardcore pornography as I can shove into a Amazon box and send to him where he's at. Now, I've already spoken to Devin uh, via Patreon, of course. Uh, Devin has requested, has humbly requested that we do a franchise run-through in May of the Scream franchise. Yeah! we're gonna. I'm going to do a, a whole breakdown. Yeah, he said I don't have to do them all, but I'm going to do them all. I'm going one through five on these motherfuckers. And the reason why, Devin, and th- Devin, thank you very much, of course, for your Patreon donation. Um, it's been a long time since I've uh, revisited the original Scream. I remember liking it. Uh, I saw it in the theaters when it first came out. I took my girlfriend at the time. She turned out to be a real pain in the ass, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, second one... Not so much, but still tolerable. It was like a run-of-the-mill slasher. Third one I thought was garbage. Fourth one I thought was really, really bad. And number five, of course, just came out. I haven't seen it yet. So thank you very much, Devin. I am looking forward to breaking down the whole goddamn thing with the Scream movies. Uh, Maybe we can catch some little continuity Easter eggs here and there and figure out what's going on with who. Uh, a lot of scuttlebutt going around about the possibility of uh, uh, what Skeet Ulrich and Matthew Lill- uh, Stu and Doug, I think their names were, possibly still being alive. I don't know. I haven't seen the last one yet, the fifth one. So, you know, I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to watch it, uh, Devin, until it's time to do it for this show. So 
I'm going to break the whole fucking thing down for you in May, my friend. Thank you very much. I'm excited. I'm excited to get back into Scream. I think possibly... I don't know, man. I th- I always get into these arguments with the rest of the horror dorks about what's better, Scream or I Know What You Did Last Summer. My stance has always been I Know What You Did Last Summer strictly for the fact that I have always been pretty gay for Jennifer Love Hewitt, which doesn't actually make me gay, I know. But I just felt like that was a better... It had a better atmosphere to it than Scream did, you know? Scream kind of lost... Well, uh, all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to save that for May. I got a whole month <laughs> to talk about Scream, and I know what you did last summer. Thank you again very much, Devin. Um, give me uh, maybe a week or two to get your shirts and stuff together, and I will get those out to you, my friend. Uh, let's get over to Jolly Old England. Here comes the horror slut. Cat is in the house. Subject line, it's all in the name. Evening, gent or gents. Do hope you have had a safe and healthy week. I am in no way offended at being called a horror slut. I did pick the name for that reason. <laughs> I love the reactions I get from people. I love that, too. I love that about you, Cat. I love that you, you took ownership of it. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't think slut has to be a bad word, you know? I call my friends sluts all the time. They think it's funny. So, I mean... It's all, it's really it's only offensive if you find it offensive, uh, cat, and obviously you don't because you're a mature individual, and I love that about you. I'm really looking forward to the upcoming fights and the fun stories you write for educate. You were just talking about this movie, The Ranger, and another reason I stay out of the woods. Yeah, she nailed me. I was the Ranger last week. Um, pretty good show. It's uh, it's for a low budget kind of psychological slasher with some fun little quirks in it. It's a pretty good show, The Ranger. Uh, I did giggle at the bear trap part and his bad one-liners. Have a wonderful and healthy week, Cat. Thank you very much for writing in, Cat. And uh, you do the same. Um, The Ranger. Jen Wexler directed. We had her on the show here before. Um, Pretty good, low budget. I don't know if you call that a slasher, per se. You wouldn't think so. Well, I, everybody has their own opinions on what exactly qualifies a slasher and what does not. Um, really, any movie that involves kids getting killed, and by kids I mean punk-ass teenagers, you could probably call a slasher, despite the fact that this guy used a high-powered rifle, and we knew who he was the whole time, and uh, he didn't wear a mask. I don't know. I don't know if you want to you know, quantify that. Uh, by what, whatever, you know, whatever you, whatever you think. I don't feel like that was a slasher. Uh, let's get back here to Reno, Nevada. Here comes the cowboy. Subject line, stuff. Evening padded room. Hope everyone is doing well and made it in tonight. Don't have much this week between work, the construction, and yard work on the weekends. So much fun. I'm feeling you there, cowboy. Educate, I think you're the ranger. Yeah, you're right. Not a great movie, but I was entertained, though I was hoping for better kills like in Downrange. Now, that's a good show, Downrange. So, if you haven't seen Downrange, it's uh, basically, I guess, slasher by way of sniper, 
Really? So there's a guy in a tree with a high-power rifle, uh, shoots the tires out of the, these kids driving down an, uh, an old uh, deserted road, and then just kind of fucks with them for a couple of days while they're pinned beneath the vehicle and basically takes them out one by one. Would that quantify a slasher, do you suppose? I don't think so. I think the very name slasher denotes some kind of an edged weapon, right? Um, you know, like a, a knife, machete, uh, razor finger or razor glove, you could call that. You could call Freddy Krueger a slasher, I guess. Uh, but when you get into firearms, I feel like that kind of takes the slashing out of the slasher and you're not a slasher anymore. Now, if there was a subgenre specifically for sniper attacks, this would fit right in. Sniper movie. I don't know. Uh, what else we got here? Down, down with the downrange. Glad to kick the month off with some fun 80s acting. Haha. I did watch Countdown a while back and thought it was all right, but not one I'll probably rewatch. Though I did download the app while watching it with my oldest. That freaked him out more than the movie. Back to dealing with the fun construction. Hope everyone has a great week. Catch you on the flip, cowboy. Beautiful. Thanks for writing in, cowboy. Uh, let me take a quick look at the old junk folder. Make sure nobody got scrapped. Uh, Devin did write in. Thank you very much, Devin. Again, we got your uh, shirt size and mailing information. Like I said, give me a week or two to put that together for you. And rest assured, my friend, you are going to get yourself some hardcore pornography. I have much. <laughs> I have much more to give in that department. Looks like we're all clear on the junk folder. We got a uh, voicemail here. Let's crack this thing open, shall we? All the way from beautiful Southern California, it's Miss Monica's pod boyfriend. Mr. Tom Hardy is in the house. hey yo. hey yo. How's my favorite degenerates this week? It's just me, buddy. Hey, I hope all is going well. I'm all right. Gary, I think I finally got you. Come on think, now. Uh, you are the ranger, You sir, got and If I did not get through before, you know, this uh, early April episode, you got to acknowledge that I did get through you before did. you posted it. I'm almost positive you're the ranger. You're right. You anyway, it. I'm in a hurry. Hope all is well. Love you, like family. Bye now. Love you too, Tom Hardy. Take care of yourself, big guy. Uh, yeah, he got me. He got one. Huh? Tom Hardy finally got one. How about that shit? Let's get... Hey, good job, Tom Hardy. I'm not going to go... I feel like I went easy on you last week. I'm just going to take it up a single notch this week. Just one... It's still pretty easy, but I'm just going to bring it up just a little bit... Just a just a pubic hair up from where we were last week with The Ranger. Because that's a, that's a fairly unique movie. And, um... Uh, there's a lot of tells in that plot line, and you know I'm not I'm not saying I made it I made it easy on you, but that that one kind of stands out a little bit. I feel like all right. Anyway, that's all we got on the listener mail. Tom Hardy, Cowboy Cat, um, Devin, you guys are beautiful people. You knew that. You already knew that. I don't know why I had to tell you. Um, thank you guys very much for the Patreon donations and your continued correspondence. It's the it's. It's guys like you and girls like you that keep the show going. You know that. Uh, we got fight announcements to get into. We got a pterodome to kick off. We got some immersion therapy to talk out. But first, but first, the stuff. 
Tonight, America is in grave danger. We are under alien attack by a popular dessert known as The Stuff. Here, Jason. Take some. No! Don't eat that! There is something alive in there. Tasty! There's something alive in yogurt. It's called benign bacteria. If the stuff is in your house, do not eat it. If you have it on your shelves, do not sell it. If you distribute this material, close your doors, make no more sales. That's right, boys. You wanted it. You got it. It's the stuff. The stuff from 1985. This movie got 5.9 stars on IMDb. Single-handedly beating out Giant Spider Invasion, Beast of Yucca Flats, Amazon Hotbox, President Evil, and Night of the Lepus. Clearly, every movie in uh, Carter Burke month is already done and over with because we now have the stuff written and directed by larry cohen this movie is rated r i have no idea why uh i don't even remember an f word in this movie that i that i recall um stars michael moriarty andrea marakovi maravoch fucking markovic markovici i believe and garrett morris um so (laughs) We've all seen this movie, right? It's about killer yogurt. That's what we're saying. And like the, the, the plot of this movie is bananas. It's a Larry Cohen movie. Okay. Now, those of you that are familiar with Larry Cohen's work, you, you got to know that you're going into a very uh, satirical situation and a very distinct and obvious directing style and way of storytelling. Um, it's... it's I guess it was okay in the, in the in the early '80s. Watching it now, it's like God, this is poop. <laughs> I, not to say that the stuff is a bad movie. It's just you know, it just kind of is what it is. Other movies that Larry Cohen has written and directed: uh, Q, The Winged Serpent, It's Alive, the entire It's Alive uh, uh, kind of franchise. There, I don't know if you call it that. Um, what else we got here? Holy crap. He's actually directed quite a few movies. Uh, God told me to. Yeah, it lives. It's, it lives again. Uh, full moon high cue the winged serpent, perfect strangers. A lot of that like schlocky kind of, um, almost sleazy eighties 
stuff, you know? It's going to take place in New York City, because that's where all of his movies do take place. And that's going to be, you know, that uh, midtown Manhattan backdrop is going to be where most of the shit happens. And for some reason, it's probably going to have Michael Moriarty in it. Now, while we're on the topic of that, who decided that Michael Moriarty is a good actor? Not me. And uh, he's not even that good looking, really. He just kind of... He kind of, especially like in these 80s movies, he just kind of like rope-a-dopes around. (laughs) You know what I mean? He's not like leading man handsome. Um, He's not like an action star. I don't know how he uh, got a career, to be honest with you. I'm not saying I don't don't hate the man. I just don't think, and from what I understand, from what I read on IMDb Trivia, he is notoriously difficult to work with. Makes a lot of demands, uh, you know, uh, re- requests things, things like that. Just a real pain in the dick when it comes to actually being on set. I don't know. That's just what I read on IMDb, but I don't get it. And I don't understand uh, why people like him, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> All right, anyway. So this movie starts off. We're in uh, somewhere in the American Midwest, I suppose. And we're at what appears to be a salt mill. And uh, it's closing time. All the workers are going home. A couple of security guards are making their rounds. And what they find is some white schmutz bubbling up from a hole in the ground. Uh, it looks, it looks. I'll be honest with you, it looks like cum. <laughs> it, looks, it looks a lot like semen, all right? Uh, it just spewing out of the ground. Naturally, one of these old farts decides to uh, put his finger in it and then lick it and then... He, he 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 puts it in his mouth. It, that's what happens, all right? I'm not making that up. That's exactly what happened. I know what you're, you're thinking, the same thing I am. Don't put it in your fucking mouth, man. You just found it on the ground. You're working in an industrial environment. That could be engine grease. That could be uh, some kind of a mild-grade petroleum product. Who knows what that shit is? You don't want it in your body. This guy just, you know, laps it right up like he's some kind of a fucking shih tzu at a water bowl. And uh, he's like, hey, this is pretty good. Yeah, I kind of like this stuff. So he dismisses the, his buddy, and he's like, oh, we got a lot of it here. We could probably pump it out. Now, from there, and this part is particularly dumb, we're going to cut, I guess, like six months to a year in the future, and now this fucking ground jizz is being mass-produced and sold to the American public as, quote-unquote, the stuff. Now... This part is particularly weird, and this is something that I, I keep going back to every time I think about this stuff. We jump from there right into a televised commercial for the stuff, and I'm going to see if I can dig up the audio on this commercial, because what the commercial entails is a young lady with a very strange voice uh, standing on a runway wrapped in a black uh, fur coat buttoned up to her chin. Now, I think she was supposed to be hot, but we'll never know because she's wearing this big parka buttoned up to her chin, and she is deadpan staring at the camera. And she comes on with this weird voice, and she's like, When I was a little girl, I always thought that I would love ice cream more than anything in the world. But now I'm an adult, and I found something better. It's called this stuff. It's pretty good. 
I realize my voice acting is subpar at best, but that is not very far from what she sounded like. And as she's reciting this little uh, monologue, the camera does a slow zoom in on her. Now, I don't know if this was supposed to look like a real commercial or if this was Larry Cohen trying to tell us that something nefarious is going on. But watching that little snippet creeped me out. What the fuck is going on with her? She basically looks like a disembodied head sta- like being propped up on a stage. Hold on, I'm going to see if I can find this for you. When I was a little girl, I didn't think there was anything that I liked better than ice cream. Now I'm a big girl. And I've decided there's something I like better. Much better. It's called the stuff. And believe me, enough is never what's up with that hmm what is that what is it what it was i mean i know i could i can't show that to you but just listen listen to that listen to the sound of her voice that's creepy right i don't know if that's supposed to be inspire some sense of foreboding or dread it definitely doesn't me enough is never enough i like the stuff more than i like ice cream what the hell's going on here, man? What are you trying to sell me? Um, all right, so we get our neat little commercial of the stuff. Then we cut to some random family where a kid gets up in the middle of the night to go get himself a late night snack, goes downstairs, finds himself a, a tub of the stuff in the fridge, goes to open it, and the stuff inside, the, the, the stuff, the stuff, starts moving around on its own. About that time, his dad wakes up, comes down and like threatens the kid. He's like, you do that, you march your little ass back upstairs right now, goddammit. You guys almost thought you were an intruder or something. And then he takes off. So something is definitely afoot here with this crap, right? Uh, It's bubbling out of the earth. It's apparently now being mass produced on a global economic level. And we have the uh, weird pseudo old lady i guess uh trying to to hawk it to us on network television very strange all right so from there we're <laughs> well it's only going to get weirder from here god damn it because now we're going to cut to a yacht somewhere in the hudson bay with these corporate guys uh having some kind of a high power meeting now this is 1985 man this was at the height of the sleazy corporate high power meetings and normally when these were being depicted, especially in horror movies, there was like uh, topless young ladies with cocaine flying around as well. God damn what it must have been like to be at that level back then. You know what I mean? Like Wall Street, Patrick Bateman, uh, making six figures, doing a job that you don't know or understand. You can't even tell people what you do because... You just sit in an office all day with your suspenders. I don't know. Uh, anyway, this is the the, the yachtsman's uh, high power meeting, and all these high high power exec guys are like, "We got to figure out what's in the stuff, man." It's uh, the, they just bought seven of Chocolate Chip Charlie's uh, facilities up and down the East Coast, and they're re refitting them to mass produce more stuff. We got to figure it out. And the other guy's like, yeah, I mean, if we can figure it out, we can copy it. I mean, improve on it. And then we can get it. And then the big guy is like, well, I've hired Mo Rutherford to, to come join us today. And he's going he's gonna to figure it out for us. So up to the yacht comes a little speedboat. And this is where Michael Mor- Moriarty pops in. He's playing a guy named Mo Rutherford. 
You know why they call him Mo Rutherford? Me neither, and I don't care. <laughs> this is like his catch line throughout the mo- the movie. Whenever anybody gives me anything, I only want Mo. So Mo Rutherford, Mo Rutherford. It's a good thing because his cousin, no thank you, Rutherford, was also a uh, FBI agent. <laughs> so from here we get we get he comes aboard and he gets you know introduced to these guys. He's a he's a, he's he's a rope dope kind of a dude. He's like, oh, you got a sweaty palm. Yup, there's another sweaty palm. Sweaty palms everywhere. Everybody's got sweaty palms. And they're like, okay, Mister Rutherford. Uh, apparently he is a industrial spy by trade uh he's been kicked he at one point worked for the fbi now he's an industrial spy if that was ever a job i wish it was i wish it was a job because it sounds like uh something that i would get paid a lot of money to do not really have any idea what the fuck i'm doing (laughs) uh they they hired him. They want him to get in there and find out what the stuff is and get back to them with some kind of a recipe or a formula or something. So Moe's like, well, why don't you just go to the FDA? They got to have all this stuff approved. And they're like, we did that. Everybody that approved it is either dead, on vacation, or retired and living in another country. And he's like, well, it sounds to me like they've been paid off. <laughs> What I do is I find a little crack in their wall, see, and then I get right in that little crack there, and then I do all kinds of damage. I'm an industrial spy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's pretty dumb, but they hire him. They pay him a lot of money. Uh, he does a cool move where he planted a listening device in one of their jacket pockets um, while they weren't paying attention, so he knows that they were all talking shit about him before he uh, got there. And then he uh, gets back in the speedboat and takes off, so... That's what he's been hired to do. He's going to track down the origin point, I guess, of the stuff, uh, figure out what the hell is in it, which they can't, apparently. Really, you would think, so he does what any, you know, thinking man would do, goes out, buys himself a tub of the stuff, takes it to a lab and says, hey, figure out what's in this. How hard was that? That's exactly what he does. And they're like, well, it's... It's a weird, they got like all these charts and Bunsen burners, and it's a typical lab scene, you know, guys with uh, clipboards, a lot of clipboards hanging around the laboratory, uh, a lot of uh, lab coats, be kind of silly not to have lab coats, but uh, one guy's all pissed off, he's like, we don't know what this shit is, uh, it's some kind of a benign bacteria, and it fucking bonds itself, and god damn it, is it delicious or what? And the other guy is like, well, it's protected. Uh, the FDA has something called statue of, statute of identity. It means if they have a secret recipe, they don't have to tell us what it is. We just have to know that it's safe for human consumption. So that's how, the, I guess, they kind of worked around it. So from there, Moe's like, well, shit, gentlemen. He, gets, uh, he goes down to where a commercial for the stuff is being shot. Uh, it's the same the same setup, except now instead of that weird old lady with that <laughs> with a weird voice, we now have like actually attractive young ladies, and they're walking up and down a runway with fur coats and bikinis on, and they're stopping at the end of the runway to take a hit off the stuff, and, <laughs> and then they go back. What the fuck kind of commercial is that? <laughs> Are you selling fur coats? Are you selling uh, bikinis? 
Or, I don't know. I guess you're trying... The point is that they're trying to sell the stuff, I guess. I don't Whatever. Uh, Mo just barges right into this commercial as it's being shot, grabs the director of the commercial, a young lady named uh, Susan Crendel, and basically, uh, first he sells her a line about how he's going to buy her advertising agency, and he's going to put her in charge of it. Uh, She gets all wet in the panties for him, of course, and this is something... That we don't see anymore because it doesn't make a lot of sense, but it was passable back in the 80s. The point in the movie where the love interest just immediately drops whatever the hell she's doing, uh, career, family, job, uh, any boyfriend or other what you know husband she may have had, and just completely abandons all of that and just spends the duration of the movie attached to our uh, protagonist. And that's exactly what she does. You don't see that anymore because it doesn't make a lot of fucking sense. And I like to think that we as a species have gotten more intelligent as the years have gone by to the point where we said, why would she do that? And then it stopped. That trend went away. Thank Christ. Uh, so from there, she joins... First, first he tells her that he's some kind of an oil tycoon and he's going to make her in charge of some shit. So she gets all wet in the panties, drops what she's doing, and starts following him. Uh, now we're going to cut back to our Midwestern family. Uh, <laughs> they have basically become full-on stuff addicts. And that's all they're having. Morning, noon, and night is stuff, 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 stuff. It's mom, dad, the older brother. The younger son, who is the one that came down for the the late night snack, his name is Jason. He didn't want anything to do with the stuff. And at first it was okay, but now mom and dad are get, starting to get like downright offended that he won't eat the stuff. So they're like, you take this stuff and you go up to your room, young man. He's like, no, it was moving. I'm not going to eat it. And then they go to a supermarket where young Jason goes absolutely apeshit on the stuff. Anybody buying the stuff, he slaps it out of their hands, gets himself a broomstick and knocks over all the stuff displays, uh, busts out a freezer window and smashes all the stuff out of the freezer. So apparently the stuff is not ice cream, but it can be frozen and it, uh, well, I don't know. It's never really explained what kind of a, what what the fuck the stuff is to begin with. But you can tell in this scene where he's going crazy, all of those containers are empty because they're all bouncing around. And for all the damage that he's doing, there is no yogurt on the floor at all, ever. And the funniest part about this scene is <laughs> it takes three grown-ass men to take down 12-year-old Jason with a broomstick. <laughs> Well done, Jason. You should be the uh, hero of this movie. Okay. So now we cut back to Mo Rutherford. Uh, He gets himself a list of the FDA panel that approved the stuff. And all of them are either dead, missing, or out of the country, or have since retired. He manages to track down one guy, a guy by the name of Vickers. And he's living somewhere, uh, presumably in the D.C. area. Goes to his house. Vickers, by the way, is played by Danny Aiello. A fairly young Danny Aiello, too. This was before all the Madonna videos and the uh, uh, Harlem Nights and all that stuff. Goes to Vickers' house. Uh, Apparently, he made an appointment with him because Vickers is waiting for him. Let's him in, and he does like a little sit-down chit-chat with him there at the uh, in the living room. Now, Vickers has a dog. 
I think it was a Great Dane, big black dog named Ben. And Vickers is terrified of Ben. And Ben just sits on the carpet and kind of stares at him the whole time. And Vickers is freaking right out. That's your pet, man. Why are you so scared of your own pet? If he's really terrifying you that bad, get rid of him. Take him to the pet. Take him to one of those uh, obedience classes or something. But Vickers is terrified. Doug has no problem with Mo Rutherford, though. Uh, Mo, at one point, Vickers uh, goes upstairs to get Mo some paperwork. And Mo's like, what's the matter with you, boy? You must be hungry. Come on, let's go in the kitchen and get you something to eat. So they go off to the kitchen. As soon as he cracks the kitchen door, he sees inside the kitchen. It's just piles and piles of stuff. The stuff. Like all the, the little jars just lined up all over the counters and boxes and everywhere. Just a fucking shit factory of the stuff. Uh, so he's like, oh, and then Danny Aiello comes back down and gives him the papers and he leaves. As soon as he leaves, Ben, the dog... And Vickers are like, oh, I got a, I got a treat for you, Ben. Oh, I got a treat for both of us, actually. Let's go have some stuff, huh? And then we cut to like 15 minutes later. The dog is now eating Vickers and Danny Aiello gets killed, which is okay. So I guess they're like stuff addicts or the stuff is making them do crazy shit. Or especially the dog in this case made him attack his owner and things like that. Okay. All right. Fair enough. It's it's uh, it's kind of creepy, you know. It's not exactly scary, but you know, don't eat that shit. <laughs> so uh, from there, uh, Mo Rutherford starts looking through Vickers' paperwork, and he realizes that most of the um, tests that were done on the stuff took place in a little town called Strader, Virginia, or Stater, Stater, or Strader, Virginia. So he's like, "Well, I'm gonna go down there and see what's going on. I'm gonna shake myself some trees." So he gets in his car, drives to Strader, Virginia. Uh, it's a, it's it's uh, it's basically a ghost town, right? So there's a bunch of houses. It look this part actually looks like it was filmed somewhere much deeper south than Virginia, because like there's all the weeping willow trees and the houses are all dilapidated. Uh, he gets out and he starts walking around. There's only at first there's only one guy in the whole town, and it's the guy that runs the gas station. So he pops up. He's like, "Hey, where is everybody anyway?" And the guy at the gas station is like, well, they took the FDA uh, testing labs out and everybody kind of went with it. So now it's just me and a few other people. And uh, as they're having this conversation, a car pulls up behind them with tinted windows and nobody gets out. And it looks like whoever's in the car is just, you know, kind of keeping Rutherford under surveillance. So Rutherford's like, well, I'm going to have to go knock on his door. So he walks over there and then he immediately gets Kung Fu attacked by none other than... SNL alumni Garrett Morris. Do you guys remember Garrett Morris? Probably not. This is probably before most of your time. But Garrett Morris was, uh, he. I think he was one of the founding members of Saturday Night Live. And he had a pretty good run on that show. But he never really, he was like the token black guy. And whenever they needed a black guy for a sketch, uh, he was their go-to guy. He was like the, the original Tim Meadows. But he never really managed to parlay it into any kind of an actual theatrical career. He he would show up here and there in different movies, usually comedic parts. Uh, did a lot of uh, voiceover stuff, I think. But anyway, here he comes. He comes jumping out. He starts putting spin kicks on Mo Rutherford. Mo Rutherford, though, all uh, 98 pounds of him is not to be trifled with. Eventually, he uh, knocks uh, Garrett Morris on his butt. And we find out that this... 
Garrett Morris is actually none other than Chocolate Chip Charlie. Whoa, look out. So, some kind of a cookie magnate, I guess. Moe's like, hey, what are you doing, Dad? You're Chocolate Chip Charlie. Now, why are you attacking me out of these bushes? And he's like, hey, man, uh, I'm here to find out what the hell happened to my company. And he's like, what? The people, so to make a long story short, the stuff company, whatever the fuck company puts out the stuff, but chocolate chip charlie out of his own company and started retrofitting his um plants to manufacture the stuff behind charlie's back they went and did a bunch of business with his brother and nephews bought him out of his own business taking over the plants to now manufacture more stuff as opposed to chocolate chip cookies charlie's all bent about that so now him and mo rutherford decide to join forces and together figure out what the hell's going on so together, they start poking around uh, Strader, Virginia, which is a ghost town. They make it to the post office slash, um, I don't know, convenience store. There was a lot of shit. This was a very busy little building here and uh, a lot of shit going on. They meet the uh, the postmaster, I guess, for lack of a better term. And he's a shady character. He's like, why don't you just leave us alone? And they're like, uh, we're just wondering where everybody went. And in the course of poking around this weird shed uh, slash post office slash general store, they find a bunch of mail that was sent to Charlie's uh, brother and kids. And it's got a forwarding address because apparently they lived in Strader, Virginia also. It's got a forwarding address of Midland, Georgia. So he's like, my goddamn nephews and cousins and brothers and sisters, they all moved down to Midland, Georgia. Didn't tell me shit. And eventually they get they get bum rushed. As they're leaving the post office, they get bum rushed by a bunch of the locals. Uh, like a little miniature lynch mob. They got like pipes and pitchforks and stuff. Chase them down to the river. Mo Rutherford manages to punch a few of them. And when he punches these guys, their heads explode into white confetti. They're stuff zombies, is what they are, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Eating the stuff will turn you into some kind of a uh, stuffy zombie kind of a deal. I don't know. I, I don't know. And it's never really explained either. So he's like, shit. Uh, they make it to a little um, paddle boat. and They paddle their way down the river, get away from the lynch mob, and eventually turn up somewhere downriver at another town. And they walk into a diner. And that's where they have to hatch their plan from there. So they decide that uh, Charlie is going to go to Washington, D.C. and try to talk to the attorney general about what the fuck the stuff is and why nobody can figure it out. Uh, Mo is going to go back to New York City and try to do some more research with the uh, hot director chick that he hooked up with earlier in the movie. What the point of that is, I don't know. So he goes back to New York. We're going to stay with Mo. Uh, he goes back to New York, gets there, gets back with his guys at the lab, and they still don't know what the fuck the stuff is. Uh, it's some kind of a microorganism, and it's got subterranean features, and it could possibly, it doesn't appear to be parasitic, but if you get enough of it in you, I don't, I don't fucking know. Uh, Mo's like, okay, great. Well, that it's, it's really helps a lot, you motherfuckers. <laughs> he goes and gets his director girlfriend, Susan, and comes clean. He's like, well, I'm not a oil magnate per se, but I am Mo Rutherford, industrial spy. And what I do is I find little cracks and I get in there and I do a bunch of damage and I need to find out what the hell the stuff is. And he tells her the whole story about getting attacked by the stuff zombies. This shady chain of custody... 
of where the fuck, who approved this shit and where the fuck they went and everybody's disappearing. And it's very uh, clandestine, very, very crazy. You know, now all of a sudden he's being followed by stuff vans, vans with the stuff labeling on the side. And they're like tailing him around and he knows it. Uh, he gets in, he tells her the truth. He told, tells her what happened at, uh, uh, straighter and all that shit. It's very scary. She's like, well, I'm not going to work for these guys anymore. This is bullshit. So again, she abandons her job and career just to be swept away in this industrial, uh, intrigue of Mo Rutherford, I guess. Very, very cool. Very convenient plot point there. Larry, Larry Cohen. Uh, so now they take up, but right before they take off, they grab a local newspaper where the top story, and this must have been a very slow news day, is the story of the kid going apeshit in the supermarket and knocking over all the stuff containers. So Mo is like, I need to talk to that kid. So <laughs> apparently Mo has access to a private plane, which is interesting because he drives to wherever this kid is, and we it's never... I assume it's somewhere near on or around the New York area because uh, he just drives there by that night uh, as we cut back to that weird family. Now, they have locked Jason in his room after the the uh, supermarket incident, and they're not going to let him out until he eats an entire container of the stuff. Now, Jason, being the smartest uh, uh, person in this family, says, okay, fine, I'll eat it. And he takes it upstairs, and he immediately dumps it all down the toilet and fills up the container with shaving cream. Because this family is a family of fucking dullards (laughs) that wouldn't know the difference between yogurt and shaving cream. Now, Jason goes downstairs, and he's like, I'm eating so much of this stuff. Oh, it's so good. Look at me. I'm just eating, eating, eating. And in doing so, he's actually eating the shaving cream. He gets a good, uh, I don't know, five, six spoonfuls in him. And then finally, he's like, (laughs) drops the shaving cream and goes hauling ass out the door. The dad picks it up, gives it a whiff, takes a lick, and he's like, this is fucking shaving cream. Get him! And then the whole family goes running out after Jason. Just as Mo Rutherford happens to be driving by the house, sees Jason, sees his family chasing him, says, come on, kid, get in the car, which Jason does, and they go hauling ass to the airport. Now, I'm not one to nitpick a movie, but I do know that this is breaking a myriad of different laws, Mr. Mo Rutherford. <laughs> drives the kid to the airport, puts him on a private plane where they fly straight to Midland, Georgia. Okay. You know, we're going to get to the bottom of this, son, me and you. And he's got the chick with him now. He's like, ah, he knows he's seen it. He's seen it move now. He's got some good information. He got to come on with us. So they take a private plane. Where the fuck they got the money for this or how they chartered a private plane? I have no idea. And it's never mentioned. We just have to sign off on it. Take the plane to Midland, Georgia. Get get off there. Now, uh, Susan and Mo dis- uh, disguise themselves as investors. Well, I mean, they don't disguise. They make appointments as possible investors using fake names. They get themselves into the stuff plant because they want to, under, under the premise that they want to open up West Coast um, facilities. So they get into the plant. They're being given a grand tour. Everything's cool. Uh, while that's happening, they left the kid on the plane with the pilots. They're like, hey, uh, 
if we're not back in three hours, then uh, take this kid back to his parents or something, something like that. So while the, the kid is in the plane, Jason is in the plane just chilling, the stuff gets into the plane and kills the pilots. And now, my friends, the stuff has become sentient and is like moving around on its own, like in giant masses, almost like the blob. Um, and it manages to kill the pilots. Jason gets off the plane before it gets him and goes taken off. All right, good. Good news. Uh, Jason's still alive. Somehow he makes it to the stuff uh, plant uh, and hides inside a tanker truck, which is almost immediately filled with the stuff. That is the worst possible hiding place you could have picked, young man. Regardless of whatever they're going to fill that tanker truck up with, even if they leave it empty, they're going to close it and it's going to be airtight and you're going to die. Never mind the weird alien microorganism stuff that they're about to fill it halfway up with. All right, um, again, I don't mean to nitpick this movie. I'm just telling you how it went down. So from there, uh, the stuff uh, executives, are they're, they're trying to schmooze Susan and Moe. So they're like, hey, we got you a... Uh, we got you a hotel room. Why don't you go sleep it off tonight? You know, I know we we know you've been traveling. Go get some rest, and then when you come back in the morning, we'll give you a, a big tour and some product samples, and you know we can we can talk shop and stuff. So, not wanting to blow their cover, they're like, "Well, that sounds okay. We'll go ahead and take a hotel room. Thank you very much." They take the hotel room. Uh, they don't quite get to have sex because in the hotel room they also get attacked by the stuff. It. <laughs> It attaches itself to Mo Rutherford's face, right? In a blob-esque, uh, I'm going to suffocate you kind of a move. Uh, he's like rolling around on the ground trying to get it off. She can't figure out how, how to get it off. So in what may be the smartest possible thing ever, she, uh, Susan decides to light the stuff on Mo's face on fire. She decides to light Mo's face on fire to save him. It's the only way to save him. You got to light his fucking face on fire, Susan. Now get in there and get it done. <laughs> he's rolling around with his fucking face on fire and he's got this crud all over him. <laughs> all right, so apparently it works, though. So well done, uh, Susan. They get the crud off him. But as soon as they get that little, you know, face full of crud off him, in from the windows comes pouring a massive amount of uh, crud. And one of the local rubes runs in and tries to further uh, hobble Mo Rutherford. And in doing so, gets like caught up in a tidal wave of, of the stuff, which pins him up against the wall, runs him up the, up the wall to the ceiling, and then onto the ceiling. But by now, of course, because the stuff is highly flammable, I suppose, uh, the fire has caught, and the whole stuff, plus that particular dude, and I think the whole hotel go up in flames as Mo and Susan make their grand escape. Now, at this point, you have to ask yourself, do they give a shit about Jason? Did they just abduct that kid for no reason? Because it sure fucking feels like it, man. Uh, they haven't had conversation one with him, by the way. And number two, they left him on the tarmac at the airport. They have taken a room for the night and left him at, at the airport. Uh, I think he was, what, 11, 10, 11 years old? He's hanging. He'll be fine. It's 1985. What's the worst that could happen? Human trafficking, I guess, hasn't quite caught on yet. 
<laughs> All right, so uh, that's, I mean, I'm just saying, it's its kind of weird. But that now they're pissed, and now they're like, we're going to get to the bottom of this. So they go back to the stuff uh, manufacturer facility. Uh, luckily, the, the tanker that Jason is kind of hobbled in just happens to pull up right next to Mo Rutherford as he's uh, kind of infiltrating the place and getting a disguise and some coveralls. Uh, very cool. Uh, he realizes that Jason's in there, so he's like, hey, son, I'm going to get you out of there. Uh, he, I guess, goes around and plants a bunch bunch of explosions, explosives, and basically it's a big rock quarry where they're mining the stuff out of the earth because it's some kind of a natural thing, but as they're bringing it up in these big blobs, the blobs are clearly moving around on their own. So whatever it is, it's alive, and we probably shouldn't be eating it. I'm just saying... No matter how delicious it is, if it's that fucking good, let's kill it first. You know, that's that's what we do with most of our food. We kill it and then we eat it, not the other way around. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud here, boys. So he plants a bunch of explosives, blows the rock quarry up, kind of buries this particular uh, stuff manufacturing area, and then jumps in the tanker truck and goes hauling ass with Jason and Sarah. And he's like, whoa. They're like, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? He's like, I know a place where we can go. So apparently somewhere not too far from here is this bizarro local militia (laughs) being uh, owned and operated by a Colonel Gates and played by Paul Sorvino. Which is very strange. And again, this is 1985. You're not supposed to ask questions. But he's got himself like a small army somewhere on the East Coast. Um, I don't know that they're actually part of the United States Army. It's never mentioned. You would think not. Because they're doing like live fire drills. And there's no mention of any kind of like a fort. Or, you know, hey, we're going to go to this army base and talk to this colonel. No, he's literally just driving. Shows up at a house. And he's like... Uh, we need to speak to Colonel Gates, please. And then, of course, all the troops come running out of the woods and, you know, hold them at gunpoint. So I don't think it was like a U.S. Army army. I think it was a bunch of rubes. But apparently this Colonel Gates guy has a lot of money. So Mo uh, sells him on the idea that the stuff is bad and it's being fed to the American people. He's all fired up. Apparently he's got a lot of money, Colonel Gates, and he also owns a bunch of radio stations and shit. So, very cool. They decide they're going to launch a uh, a raid on one of the one of the other stuff manufacturing facilities using, you know, these th- this army that they now have. Okay, very cool. We get like a, a cool little action sequence where um, they, they basically raid one of these facilities, shoot a bunch of <laughs> these poor <laughs> these poor uh, manufacturing workers. And get inside. Once they get inside, though, they realize that there's a bunch of already dead manufacturing workers because they've all like overdosed on the stuff. I guess, or I don't know. I, I guess you would call it an overdose because if you eat so much of it, it grows in you and then it kills you and it like takes you over. Is what we're saying. All right, so that's cool. So now they're like, well, shit. So they go down to Atlanta to one of uh, Colonel Gates's radio stations and they put out this big. Uh, PSA, don't eat the stuff, don't touch it, don't sell it, don't distribute it, just put it down, it's some kind of an alien fucking thing, and don't even do it. Uh, that goes worldwide. As they're doing it, though, Gil- uh, Garrett Morris, Chocolate Chip Charlie, shows up, and he's like, I'm going to tell you all kinds of shit I had to do to get into the fucking thing and the goddamn shit. 
but right before he makes his big radio announcement, we realize that he too has eaten a lot of the stuff because he does like a thing kind of a deal where he goes and splits himself in half and a bunch of white schmutz comes out and then they have to light him on fire. Fuck me, right? It's too bad. I like chocolate chip Charlie. I thought he was cool. Uh, so from there we have stuff riots because everybody's throwing away all their stuff and lighting it on fire. Um, and, uh, that's all well and good. And then we get like a little credit cookie type of a deal where Mo and Jason go up to the CEO's office of the original stuff and they're like, Hey, you motherfucker. And then we realize the guy that hired Mo to begin with was working with that guy. And now they've joined forces and they've got a new product called the taste and the taste contains like 10% stuff. So there's still there's still enough stuff in the taste to get you hooked, but not enough to kill you or turn you into a zombie. So Jason and Mo hold these two turds at uh, gunpoint, and they make them eat like a few cases of the stuff, and then they leave, and presumably those two either kill each other or the stuff kills them. And then we see like some shady... Uh, drug deals going on with back back alley stuff dealers. And that's pretty much the end of your movie, man. It is pretty dumb. I mean, it. I, I get what he was doing, Larry Cohen. He was trying to make some kind of a satirical statement about c- consumerism, uh, possibly GMO foods and how, you know, Americans like to eat the tasty shit and they like to eat it in excess. And is it... I think what he was saying is that it was more Big Pharma's fault and like corporate America's fault as opposed to the individual's fault because, you know, we can't be left to make our own decisions, obviously. So there's that. Is this a good movie? I'm going to say for the sake, for the purposes of nostalgia, sure. It's, it's, it's funny. (laughs) I got a lot of chuckles out of it. Um, Watching it now, it's very dated. Um, A lot of shit just does not make a lick of fucking sense. And you have to just kind of turn your brain off and say, hey, I'm watching a movie about killer yogurt. What what was I thinking to begin with? That's all I got on the stuff, boys and girls. Let me take a little break. And when I come back, you motherfuckers, we have some fight announcements to get into in the Terradome. <laughs> Oh, we want to rock down to electric. 
like what you hear, head over to the Padded Room Facebook group and support us through the patron link with a small monthly donation. Check out the T-Villain link at paddedroom.podbean.com and grab some t-shirts. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. And I'm back. Um, I would be willing to try the stuff. I'll eat anything, really. I'm not, I'm not a picky eater at all. I'll try it. It struck me as a dessert, though, right? So, unless you're five, you're not going to eat dessert all the fucking time. I don't, I, I don't understand. I wish somebody within the course of that movie would have explained what it tasted like. Nobody ever did. They said, oh, it's delicious. All right, well, can you order it at a restaurant? Give me, give me the stuff. I don't know, man. I don't know what you're doing there. It kind of took me out of the movie a little bit. Anyway, are you fucking guys ready to get into the team's division of the Terradome? No tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. I'm not going to hurt you. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains I'm gonna bash him right the fuck in. I'll kill you all. I'll drive you crazy. I'll kill you all. Let's dream come true. Six-year-old child with this blind, pale, emotionless face. The blackest eyes. The devil's eyes.
Welcome to the Terradome. Ladies and gentlemen, it begins now. I have chosen 32 of my favorite horror villain groups this time. And I have put them into two conferences, as usual, the Asylum Conference and the Inferno Conference, and broken them down into brackets. Anybody who's ever seen a uh, Sweet 16 tournament, it's the exact same thing, except instead of East and West, we have uh, uh, Inferno and Asylum. Now, that being said, I'm going to announce the fights for this year's tournament right now, starting in the... uh, Asylum Conference, which would be the Western Division. We have Dracula's Brides versus the Driftwood Family, Xenomorphs versus Jungle Cannibals, Silent Hill Nurses versus the Hattiger Brothers, Werewolves versus the Home Invaders, Rabbits versus the Mutant Cannibals, Quiet Creatures versus the Sawyer Family, Return of the Living Dead Zombies versus the Elite Hunting Company, Predators versus the Infected. In the Inferno Conference, we have Killer Clowns from Outer Space versus the Deadites, Universal Monsters versus Nazi Zombies, the Chucky Family. That's right. Oh, a first-time entry into the team's division, the Chucky Family. By that, we mean Charles Lee Ray, obviously the doll, Chucky, Tiffany, the bride of Chucky, uh, whatever that fucking kid was that they had together. And we can also include... Uh, what was her name? Fiona Dorif's character in the later installments. The Chucky family versus the Umbrella Corporation. Ghosts versus Cenobites. 30 Days of Night Vampires versus the Night Breed. Critters versus the Midwives. I'm looking forward to that one. The Blind Dead versus Zombies. And the Lost Boys versus Demons. That, my friends, is your Terradome Teams Division tournament coming up starting we're gonna have our first fight next week so if you like any of those that haven't been taken uh go ahead and get at me the padded room 2011 at hotmail.com or the mental health hotline at area code 775-387-0275 now before we move on from this let's talk about who has what cowboy has taken dracula's brides tim has the xenomorphs cat has the silent hill nurses Freddy has the werewolves. Tony has the rabbits. Crackhouse Matt has taken the quiet creatures, and by that I'm referring to the creatures from A Quiet Place, both movies. Monica has taken the return of the living dead zombies. Buddy has the predators. Tom Hardy has the killer clowns. Alan has the universal monsters, and Lance has the Chucky family. I guess I should I should I tell you who I'm taking, or should I wait till next week? I'm gonna wait till next week. I want to be the last one to pick. So this is your last week to pick, inmates. Get at me. Let me know who you want, and I'll, I'll pencil you in, and I will tell you who I pick next week with the first fight announcement. All right. That being said, my friends, I think it's time we got into a little what are you looking at. What are you looking at? So, instead of watching movies this week, I have binged the first season of Lock and Key on Netflix. I actually watched this one with my kids. Um, what do you have? You guys seen it? What did you? I, I don't. I was the flirting with the second season. I know there's only two seasons. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's 
it's clearly a uh, kind of fairy tale. It's more of a fairy tale than it is a horror series, right? There's frightening elements. You know, there's uh, the thing in the well, the hot chick, whatever you want to call that. They call her an echo. If you've seen it, basically the premise is that these kids suffer a traumatic event. They lose their father. They inherit his familial home where they start finding these mysterious keys that give them weird powers. Sometimes they're powers. Sometimes they're more like a curse because they don't really know what they're doing. But in doing, in gathering these keys, uh, they have to use these keys to defeat this evil that lives in the well house and comes out to fuck with them. Uh, only the kids can do it because the keys don't work on adults for some reason. And that uh, it's fine. It's a good show to watch with your kids because it's kind of it's got some scary moments. But at the same time, you know, the kids are going to be OK. No, nobody's really going to get hurt. So there's that um, written by Joe Hill. Um, it's a fairy tale. I guess is the best way to put it. Unless something may, I, I know there's a, this is based on a series of graphic novels. So maybe the graphic novels are a, a little more dark than the Netflix series. It's, it's, it's a fairy. It's something you can watch with your kids, which is what I've been doing, by the way, I've been uh, binging it a couple episodes a night with the kids. They love it. They're uh, running around my house trying to find these whispering keys. Um, I keep giving them the mailbox key and they're not buying it. <laughs> All right, that's all I'm looking at this week. I said, you know what? If you want something that's kind of horror leaning to watch with your kids, that it's a good it's a good place to start. Uh, lock and key. All right, that's all I'm looking at this weekend, mates. How about some immersion therapy? Immersion therapy. Yes, ma'am. Did you get a chance to check out Countdown on Netflix from 2019? Um, why, why, why are we still making killer app movies? It seems very silly to me. I mean, I... So it's been done better in other occasions. Like um, there was one came out five, six years ago, literally called app. And that one was actually pretty cool because you could download the app and then sync the app to the movie. So as characters on the screen were doing shit with their phone, your phone would vibrate and you would look at your screen on your smartphone and it would show you like little extra shit like in the movie, which I thought that was pretty cool, but it was again a killer app. I don't know, man. I think this was just not my jam. I will say that I did like the look of the demon. I thought he was a pretty gnarly customer, but at the end, like we didn't get much of an explanation as to how the fuck the demon got put in the app, uh, other than the weird stoner priest that uh, was doing his best Jonah Hill impersonation the whole movie. Best part of this movie was Tom Segura, who played the guy that worked at the cell phone store. He was he was about the the shining ray of light. I'm not mad at this one, uh, inmates. Don't get me wrong. I just have a very difficult time getting behind a, um, a movie about a killer app. That's a hard sell. Maybe I'm old school. Call me an old man. Call me uh, low tech. But the idea of a little icon on my cell phone screen somehow 
uh, affecting me. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, man. I, I just I just can't get behind that. But uh, there you have it. Countdown. Whatever. <laughs> really. Really just whatever. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, your immersion therapy for this week is going to be Nazi Undead. Yeah, buddy. You can find this bad boy on Amazon Prime. It's from 2019. Stars Georgia Chara and Lee Scully. It's directed by Steven Spiel. It's literally called Nazi Undead. I don't think I need to give you a synopsis here, do I? It's it, It's probably about Nazi zombies, which I feel is a widely underutilized uh, subgenre. So let's check that out, inmates. I will do the same, and we can compare notes next week. But now, my friend, you must educate me. Educating Miss Monica. My clues from last week. I am a punk rock teenager having a bit of an identity crisis. Goddamn if my boyfriend didn't kill a cop while a fucking drug deal went bad. And now me and him and a bunch of our other loser punk rock friends have to go hide out in the woods. Good thing my long dead uncle has a cabin up there we can cool our heels at. I sure hope there's no crazy fucker up here that's going to take a liking to me and start picking my friends off one by one. I am, of course, the Ranger. Pretty good show. Um, it is, I will say that it is innovative in its um, artistic direction. Uh, I spoke, we, I, God damn, uh, probably like five, six years ago. I had the, right before it came out, I had Jen Wexler on the show. You can dig that up in the Padded Room archive. But I remember her being extremely enthusiastic, very bright, like very... Having a, like, she had so many ideas and they were all, you know, things that she wanted to do in the movie, but she just couldn't find a way to make it work. Um, but I think that her, <clears throat> excuse me, her end product was really uh, something artistically, um, I don't want to use the word satisfy. It was, it was, um, God damn, how can I put this? The contrast of the punk rock kids against the stark wilderness survival backdrop was really a, um, I guess, a breath of fresh air, really. Because you take these kids out of their punk rock element, which is the gritty, grimy punk scene of wherever the fuck this was supposed to take place, and you transplant them out in the middle of the woods... And, you know, none of them knows fuck all about bears or wolves or how to start a fire. They have the cabin there, but they're going to fuck that up. That's what punk rock kids do. And then you add, you, you, from there, you just go straight into regular slasher town with the ranger himself who shows up and starts killing people. I think it's worth a watch. Uh, formulaically, if that's actually a word, it's nothing we haven't seen before. It's kids getting killed in the woods. But the visuals, I think... The contrast of the punk kids against the usual, you know, um, virtuous archetypes of the kids being killed in the woods is something to see. All right, I'm droning on again. Who might I be this week, you ask? Well, I happen to be a very hot 
albeit somewhat cunty college student who has probably had it with the dating scene. My, I'm, I'm in a same sex relationship and my girlfriend is, um, well, we're not speaking at the moment. Not that that's any of your business, but I happened to be at a party where I found myself quite attracted to a young man. And I think he may have put something in my drink. Needless to say, one thing led to another and we got down. And ever since then, I've just been falling apart at the seams. And I mean that in the most literal sense. Um, Things are falling off of me. I got a weird eyeball. I'm bleeding uh, from weird places. Uh, And uh, I got to get my college uh, experiment thing together or I'm not going to get my scholarship. And uh, my mom is trying to help me, but she's not doing much. Uh, She doesn't know what the fuck I'm going through. And my girlfriend is even more snotty now that she found out I had sex with a dude. So fuck me. Hope I don't get in a car accident. There you have it, inmates. Who might I be, you ask? Tune in next week, and I will drop some knowledge on you. I'm talking to you, Tom Hardy. I think you got this one, my man. Let's go two in a row, big guy. It's me and you. All right, other than that, I think that's about going to do it for the weekend, mates. Thank you again very much for joining me. Uh, Like, comment, subscribe if you have time, wherever you found this podcast. That helps out our visibility quite a bit. Uh, We do have a Patreon campaign running. Paddedroom.podbean.com is where you go to find the link to hit the donate button, to get yourself a t-shirt, a coffee mug, control of the month of June, and as much porno as I can shove into the box before I put it in the mail. All that being said, thank you again for listening. Join me next week for Attack of the Killer Tomatoes here on Killer Food Month, courtesy of the cowboy. (laughs) You fucking asshole. Uh, In the meantime, for Buddy in Absentia, Monica also in Absentia, Killer yogurt and all of the havoc that it brings. Low-carb diets, which I think would be a much better way to go than killer yogurt. Um board games based on video games usually it's the other way around um weird other things like uh punk rock kids in the woods and the padded room podcast i'm afraid visiting hours are over